Hello and welcome to True to the Bible Podcast with Hunter Davis. Thanks again for joining us for our next lesson in our series on the book of Ephesians. Today we will be ending chapter 3 and also ending Paul's section on theology. In the next section coming up we will see that Paul talks to the church or writes to the church about very practical things that they can do within the church. Thus far we've been seeing who we are as a body and as a church in the New Testament. Today, Paul ends with a prayer about the church. He wishes and hopes for things for the church, and he prays for those things for them. We can take direct application from this and in our own lives strive and seek for these things that Paul prays for the church at Ephesus as well. Well, thanks again for joining us for True the Bible Podcast. We hope that you enjoy this lesson. All right, Ephesians chapter 3. We're going to be going 14 through 21 today. Um, I call this lesson The Powerful Love because uh, we're going to be looking at uh, Christ's love for us a little bit. Paul, here he's, he's praying. Oh, he's praying and he's uh, praying for certain things uh, for this church at Ephesus. So we're gonna, that's what we're going to look at. So we'll read 14 through 21 uh, and then we'll get into it. All right, verse 14. It says, For this reason I bow my knees before the Father from whom every family in heaven and on earth derives its name, that he would grant you, according to the riches of his glory, to be strengthened with the power through his Spirit in the inner man, so that Christ may dwell in your hearts through faith, and you, being rooted and grounded in love, may be able to comprehend with all the saints what is the breadth and length, height and depth, and to know the love of Christ, which surpasses all knowledge that you may be filled up with the fullness of God, to Him, now to Him who is able to do far more abundantly beyond all that we ask or think, according to the power that works within us, to Him be the glory in the church and in Christ Jesus to all generations forever and ever. Amen. All right, let's pray. Dear God, we just come before you and thank you for this day you've given to us. Just pray that we would uh, learn from your word, God. Um, just pray that you would show us truth. Pray that you speak through me. It wouldn't be my words, but it would be yours. And um, just pray all this in Jesus' name. Amen. All right, so today we are finishing out the theology section in Ephesians. If you guys remember, the first half of the book is all about theology. The second half of the book is very practical. It's about practical stuff. Um, and so today we're looking at the last part of theology. And it's actually uh, something that it's a prayer of Paul's. Or basically he's saying, I'm going to pray these things for you guys. And it's three things that he's looking at. The first one is that they walk in the power of the Holy Spirit then that they'd stay in fellowship with God, and then that they'd understand the love of Christ. Those are three things um, that he prays. And so, as you look at verse 14 where we start, he says, for this reason. Okay, he's actually picking up where he left off in verse 1. You guys remember last week we talked about the rabbit trail, how he kind of got on a rabbit trail. If you go back to verse 1 of Ephesians 3, he says, for this reason I, Paul. And then he starts this rabbit trail talking about the mystery age and all that. Now in 14, he picks it back up. And he says, for this reason. So, uh, for what reason? For what reason um, is he doing it? Okay, so the first thing we're going to talk about is the strength. Okay, and we're going to ask what reason is he talking? Why is he saying for this reason? And we're going to go into it. Okay, so first thing, verses 14 through 16 talk about the strength. Okay, um, in verse 14 it says, For this reason I bow my knees before the Father, from whom every family in heaven and on earth rises his name, that he grant you, according to the riches of his glory, to be strengthened with the power through his through the spirit and inner man. Okay, so he's praying that they would be strengthened. So he's talking about strength here. 
Okay, as I said before, what's the reason as we start in verse 1? For this reason I bow my knees. Well, it's because what we've been talking about before, Jews and Gentiles, the church is coming together. He's, he's asking or telling them that they should be unified as Jews and Gentiles. And he says, for this reason, because I want you to be unified, because I want you guys to be one body, one unit, I bow my knees. Okay, I bow my knees. Bowing is signifying that he's praying, obviously, but it's also signifying that uh, he's submitting before God. Like, he's saying, hey, I'm, like, posture isn't, like, required or anything like that. Like, you don't have to bow in order to pray, right? But we bow, or sometimes we bow, in order that we show our reverence to God. We show that we are under his authority. And so he's saying, hey, I'm under the authority of God even by just saying that. And by saying that next thing, um, right there in verse 15, from whom every family in heaven and earth derives its name. Again, he's He's giving glory to God, saying God is over all. God is over everything. And that's what he's, that's how he starts out his prayer, basically, for these people. And then 16, really, is when he gets into his point about the strength. Okay, For this reason, in verse 14, I bow my knees before the Father, from whom every family in heaven and earth derives his name. And then 16, that he would grant you. Okay, So this is his prayer request. That he would grant you, according to the riches of his glory, to be strengthened with power through his spirit in your man. So he prays for strength. There's two other verses I want to bring up. First one is Ephesians 6.10 that deal with strength. Okay, At the end of this book, when he's talking about practical things, he's saying, hey, here's some practical things that you guys as a church need to do. You guys know about the armor of God, right? So he, he's getting ready to say, hey, here's the armor of God. You guys need to put this on for spiritual battle. But before that, Paul says, finally be strong in the Lord in the strength of his might. Be strong in the Lord. And that's what he's praying for right here. That it would be strengthened with the power through His Spirit, not our Spirit, through His Spirit in the inner man. Okay, giving our inner man strength okay, through the power of the Holy Spirit. Here's another one. This is in Galatians, not in Ephesians. But he says, But I say, walk by the Spirit, and you will not carry out the desires of the flesh, or carry out um, or gratify the desires of the flesh. And so, Paul says in a different book to a different church, he says, hey, if you're walking in the power of the Holy Spirit, you're not going to be gratifying the desires of the flesh, which is what he's praying for here in verse 16. So he says, hey, I pray that God's going to grant you that church according to the riches of His glory, because God is uh, rich in glory and love and all this stuff, which we'll look at later, to be strengthened with the power of His Spirit, of the Holy Spirit in your inner man. So he's praying that they would be strengthened by the Holy Spirit. He's praying that they'll walk in the Spirit and not gratify the desires of flesh. And that's what we should all be doing too, right? We, If we're abiding in Christ, if we're walking in the Spirit, we're not going to be gratifying the desires of the flesh. And that's what we should be seeking to do every day, right? Is living by that power of the Holy Spirit to not sin and to do what's right and to do good. Okay? So that's what Paul's prayer for them is. He wants them to live in the power of the Holy Spirit. Okay, The second thing that he wants them to do is have correct fellowship. Look at verse 17. So that Christ may dwell in your hearts through faith, and that you, being rooted and grounded in love, may be able to comprehend with all the saints what is the breadth, length, height, depth, and to know the love of Christ. Which, we're going to focus on that second part later. But first I want you to focus on so that Christ may dwell in your hearts through faith. Okay, I, there's this one time I went to Caprock Canyon. Have you guys ever heard of Caprock Canyon? It's, a, it's this place down in Texas. And so I decided when I was, I don't know how old I was, like 20 or something, but I decided I was going to go camping down there. And so I just was like, I'm going to go camping. I'm going to go camping by myself. Okay, And if, for those of you guys that know me, 
uh, you know that I do not like being alone. I like people. I like hanging out with people, I like being around people. I'm like a people person, right? And so I was like, but I've always wanted to like be a loner, okay? I've always wanted to be a loner. Like my dad's a loner, my cousin's a loner. I'm like, I want to be a loner. So I was like, I'm going to be a loner. I'm going to go down this Caprock Canyon for like three nights and just stay by myself. Just camp by myself. I'm going to be a loner. And so I did. I drove down there and um, I got down there and I set up my tent and I went on some hikes and I just kind of sat there. And I got so lonely. I hated it. I hated every minute of it. In fact, I came home early because I, I really like fellowship with other people. I really like hanging out with other people. I need people in my life. The second thing that Paul prays for this church is that they would have fellowship with Christ on a daily basis. Okay, they would abide in Christ. We just read, I just read John uh, 15, and he's talking about abiding in Christ in John 15. John is, and he says uh, that we can't do anything without Christ, and that uh, if we abide in Him, we'll produce much fruit. Okay, so... Paul wants that for this church. He wants them to produce much fruit. He wants them to abide with Christ. He wants their relationship on a daily basis with Christ to be um, intact, if you will. Okay. Again, he's not talking. He's talking to believers here, so he's not talking about, hey, I hope that you put your faith in Jesus Christ so that Christ dwells in your hearts. He's already dwelling in their hearts. What he's talking about here is this fellowship aspect of this, like, hey, on a daily basis, I want you to be close to Christ. Okay, because what happens when we when we sw- when we sin? We're out of fellowship, right? And then what happens when we confess our sins? He's faithful and just forgives our sins and cleanses from all unrighteousness. Okay, so this word "dwell" here it actually uh, like it means to be at home, to be at home with. Now, like I said before, as believers, Christ is always at home in us because the Holy Spirit's in us, right? He's part of the Trinity, but. His whole goal, Paul's whole goal here, is not that we would just be saved, but that on a daily basis we would be at home with Christ. We'd be at home with Christ. We'd be one with Christ, meaning that we're every day confessing those sins, getting forgiven of those sins, and living um, in a way that is in fellowship with Christ. Does that make sense to you guys? So his prayer for this church isn't just that they get saved. Okay? It's that we, we live every day in that. So for us, you know, application-wise, like, I mean, there's times in our life when we sin, right? Mostly, only one of you sins. Okay? I sin all the time. Right? Everybody in here sin? Yes. Yes, okay. So when we sin, the question is, how quickly do we confess our sins and get right with God? How quickly do we get right with God and live you know, in fellowship with Him instead of living in rebellion against Him. You know what I'm saying? Because it's really easy to do that sometimes, to live in rebellion and just not, you know, just not want to be a part of what God's doing, right? Um, But really, we need to confess those sins, get right, and be in fellowship. And that's Paul's prayer for this church. First, he prays that they would be strengthened, they'd walk in the Spirit, but you can't do that if you're not in fellowship. Okay, so he wants them to be in fellowship. He wants them to have strength. Here's the last one uh, we're going to talk about, and we'll talk about the doxology as well, but this is the last thing, the third thing, um, and it's the love. He wants them to understand the love. Look at the end of verse 17 through 19. He says, And that you, being rooted and grounded in love, may be able to comprehend with all the saints 
what is the breadth and length and height and depth, and to know the love of Christ, which surpasses knowledge, that you may be filled up with the fullness of God. Now, everybody loves talking about this. Okay? Everybody loves this kind of lesson whenever you start talking about the love of God, and rightfully so, right? It's fun to talk about the love of God because God loves us, and it's awesome, and He's God, and how could He love us, and it's so cool. Uh, but Paul wants them to understand this love. Okay, he wants the church at Ephesus to know the love of Christ. Okay, when he's talking about being rooted and grounded, okay, J.D. actually says this. He says past actions that have continuing, continuing effect when he's talking about those two words. So he's saying that the word rooted and the word grounded are past actions. Okay, we have been, or the church has been rooted and grounded, but they have continuing effects, meaning that things are still going to happen because of that. So we, as believers, are rooted and grounded in love. First off, right, because we would never be believers without the love of God, right? And this is love, not that we love God, but that He loved us and sent His Son to be the fruit. So we're rooted and grounded in that love, okay? It all starts there, and it's going to have continuing effects. And hopefully, we're living out the love of Christ. Because He loved us, we're loving other people. So it's rooted, and it's grounded in that, okay? Rooted, okay, this is what I think of rooted. When we're talking about rooted, I was like looking up some like synonyms. You guys know what synonyms are, right? Yeah. You guys are all in school, so you probably know better than me. But when I looked up synonyms for cinnamon, <laughs> I can't even say it now. When I looked up for the cinnamon, um, cinnamon, cinnamon rolls, okay, I looked up some words for rooted, and there's not very many, okay, because it just means rooted. It means it's like tree roots. It's like rooted down, okay. Um, and so I got this picture to kind of remind us of what rooted is, but it's being firm. Okay, and, it's, and we'll look at it in just a second because we're going to talk about this other one. Okay, the other one is grounded. This is actually this word in the Greek actually means like the foundation of a building. So one, okay, rooted is the foundation of a tree, right? And one is the foundation of a building. Okay, so it's a foundation of something in nature, a foundation of something that's man-made. Both of them are foundations. Both of them, if you take them away, what happens? If you take the roots away from the tree, what happens? Yeah, it dies and it falls. Okay, either one, right? Take the foundation away from the building, we know what happens with that, right? It crumbles, especially in Oklahoma, right? We bury it. Sometimes buildings crumble even with the foundation in Oklahoma. So you take away the foundation, those buildings can't stand, okay? And the tree can't stand without the foundation. We cannot stand. We have no foundation without love, right? What if God didn't love us? He wouldn't have died for us, right? Right? There's no foundation. There's no. All our hope is built on the love of God. Does that make sense to you guys? Like we're rooted, are grounded. Our foundation is the love of God because of what He did for us, because of His love for us, because He died for us. We believe what we believe. We know what we know, and we can trust God in His future promises. All that is established in love. It's rooted in love. He's giving those two examples to show us that. Okay, so we're rooted and we're grounded in love in verse 17. So then he goes on and he says, Hey, you got to understand you're rooted and grounded in love and that you would be able to comprehend, okay, you'd be able to understand, comprehend with all the saints what is the breadth and length and height and depth. Okay, so he goes over everything. He says, I want you to understand how wide, how long, how tall, and how deep the love of Christ is. Okay, I want you to understand all the depths and all the dimensions of the love of Christ. Does that make sense to you guys? Okay, he's saying, hey, 
We can't even understand all this, which she'll say in just a second. We can't even understand this, but every part of it that you can, I want you to understand it and continue to understand the love of Christ more. Okay, look at verse 19. Okay, after he says the breadth, length, height, depth, and to know the love of Christ which surpasses. Okay, that word surpass means to go beyond, which goes beyond knowledge. He's saying you can't even understand how much God loves you. You can't even understand how much Christ loves you. Okay, and that's powerful. Okay, that's powerful. We can't even understand how much God loves us. We can't. Okay, we can try. And Paul says that we need to try to understand the width of it, the length of it, the depth of it, the height of it. We need to try and understand, but we can't even understand it and comprehend it because we can't even know that kind of love. It's that powerful. It's that deep. It's that awesome. Is that we can't even understand the love of God. I think that's an important thing for us to remember. Mainly because Paul says it's an important thing for us to remember, right? <laughs> Paul says, hey, I want you, Church at Ephesus, to understand and to know the love of God. You can't know it, by the way, he says, but I want you to try to know it. I want you to know as much of it as you can. Okay, what happens if we forget about that fact? Forget about the fact that God loves us or that Christ loves us? Just live in the flesh? Yeah, for sure we'd live in the flesh. What else? What happens to our minds if we forget that God loves us? We wouldn't want to serve Him. Yeah. Fear, maybe. Anxiety. Okay. Start. You get terrified. Okay. What if? What if an all-powerful God doesn't love you, and you're a sinner? Bad news for you, right? Right. So how much love is it that? How much love is it that it's an awesome love that we don't even have to worry about any of that, right? I mean, we still have to fear God and a healthy fear, but like. God loves us so much that He literally paid for all of our sins even though He's an awesome, powerful God. Like that love, we can't comprehend. Okay, And we can try and show that love to other people, but we can't even show that kind of love. It's beyond, it goes beyond our knowledge. And Paul says, I want you to understand that. And that's something that we should understand and it's something that we need to dwell on. Right? We need to think about it in our daily lives. If we forget that fact, Stuff starts going wrong. Okay, the final thing we're going to look at is the doxology. Okay, you guys know what a doxology is? Yeah. Okay, the doxology, the ending. Okay, he's ending it. Uh, he's ending this whole theology uh, section. And there's actually some people, some like uh, theologians, that say that Ephesians is two letters. Chapters 1 through 3 is one letter. Chapters 4 through 6 is another letter. Okay, I don't, I don't think that's true. But there's some people that say that, and the reason that they say that is because he, he like ends it. He sums it up so well, this section with this doxology. He, he ends it, and it looks like he's ending the whole chapter. Like, if you didn't know there was a chapter 4, you'd end it and be like, oh, he's done with the letter. Okay, But he's not. He continues on. What he's doing is he's summing up the theology section, Okay, which I'm really excited to get into the practical. I'm, I'll just be honest with you guys. I like teaching practical stuff more than theological stuff. But uh, I'm excited to get into this practical stuff. But he ends, he ends the theology here. Okay, he says now, and this is some of the most popular verses in the Bible, by the way. In verse 20, he says, Now to him who is able to do far more abundantly beyond all that we ask or think, according to the power that works in us, to him be the glory in the church and Jesus Christ for generations, for all generations, forever and ever. 
Amen. Okay, so he ends this with a really cool reminder. Okay, because what did he just talk about right before verse 20? Yeah, his love. Okay, he talks about the love of Christ that we can't comprehend. So he talks about how much God loves them. And then he says, Now to him who is able to do far more abundantly beyond all that we can ask or think. Here's the cool thing. That God that can do far more beyond what we can even think about loves you more than you can even understand. Okay, and that is cool. Okay, that's cool. That means that God can do stuff through us that we can't even grasp. Right? That means God can use us in ways that we can't see. That means that when we feel like when we feel like our life is worthless, okay, because we're all there sometimes, and we feel like we can't do anything right, God can still use it in a way that we can't even grasp or comprehend. Does that make sense? Like He's powerful enough to change everything. He's powerful enough to create everything in the first place, right? But He's powerful enough to change everything. He's powerful enough to do all that, but He loves you. I mean, that's a huge message that Paul's ending this on. Okay, and this whole time he's been talking about theology. He's been talking about, hey, this is who the church is. It's Jews and Gentiles together. This is the, the spiritual blessings that you guys have in God. And he talks about all this. And then how does he end the theology section? With practical. He says, hey, God who can do way more beyond what you could ever ask or imagine loves you more than you could even dream. And that's so cool to me. At least that's cool to me. I don't know. I don't know if that's cool to you guys. And then he goes on at the end of verse 20. He says, According to the power that works within who? Then who can do more than we can imagine? No. What does it say in the end of verse 20? According to the power that the one who works within us. us. So he reminds us that this God that is all-powerful and loves you beyond understanding actually is with you all the time. Hebrews says what? I'm never going to leave you or forsake you. Okay? And the Holy Spirit's in us. He's with us all the time. The power of God is with us all the time. The person of the Holy Spirit is with us all the time. And Paul reminds him of that. Hey, this God that loves you more than you could ever think or imagine and is all-powerful beyond your comprehension is with you all the time. Okay, how does that make us feel? It should make us feel invincible. Because we are. Right? We, start, we start living... For Christ, we are invincible. Not invincible in the fact that we're never going to get hurt or we're never going to die, but invincible in the fact that we're going to do exactly what God wants us to do, and He's going to accomplish His will through us no matter what. Okay, And if we follow Him and we're abiding in Him like He wants us to, as He said before, and we're living through the power of the Holy Spirit, guys, we can do anything. Okay, Because anything that God wants us to do, He's going to have us do it. We just got to follow Him. You know what I'm saying? So, it's pretty cool. And then in verse 21, he ends it all just by saying, To him, God be the glory in the church. Why in the church? Because he's been talking about the church. This whole first three chapters of theology is all about the church. So he wants the glory to be given God through the church, through us. God should get the glory. And in Christ Jesus, to all generations, forever and ever. Amen. Okay, and that's how he ends it. So let's look at a little bit of uh, impact. A little bit of impact here, okay? What should we do? Well, we should first off walk in the power of the Holy Spirit. All right, Galatians 5.16, walk in the Spirit, you won't gratify the desires of the flesh. Paul's prayer for them is that they be strengthened, okay, in verse 16, with the power through His Spirit in the inner man. We need to draw our strength from the power of the Holy Spirit. We can't walk, um, we can't do what's right without the Holy Spirit. We can't walk in that way. So we need to walk in the power of the Holy Spirit. 
The second thing we should do is stay in fellowship. Okay, when we sin, let's get back in fellowship with God. Remember, if we confess our sins, He's faithful and just to forgive us of our sins and cleanse us from all unrighteousness. So, stay in fellowship with God. You're going to sin. We're going to sin. Hopefully we don't. God's given us everything we need to live holy lives, but we, we still sin sometimes. So when we do that, get back in fellowship. Confess your sins, and He'll forgive them. Okay, and then understand and comprehend the love of Christ. Okay, and renew your minds with it. Okay, renew your minds with it. It's, it's going to help you in a lot of areas. Okay, for example, okay, if you're struggling with sin, what if you're struggling with sin? Can understanding the love of God help you with that? Yeah, it can, right? Because when you understand God's love, you're like, man, God loved me this much, and then I'm sinning against Him? That can help you not sin, right? If, uh, if you're struggling, like I said earlier, what about if you're struggling with anxieties or fears? Can the love of God help you with that? Mm-hmm. Absolutely, right? If an all-powerful God loves me, I know what's going to, even though what's happening to me is hard, okay? Even though that's hard, I know I, I'll, it's going to be for the glory of God in the end. He's going to reward it, all that kind of stuff. What about if you're struggling like with depression and stuff like that? Can the love of God help you there? Mm-hmm. Oh yeah, absolutely, right? He can use everything. He can use all of it. Everything that's going on in your life. And so it's huge. He can do far more beyond what we could ever ask or think, remember? Okay, so let's think about these things. Let's try and do these things. Let's renew our minds with the love of Christ. Stay in fellowship with God and walk in the Spirit. Uh, we can try and do that this week, alright? Any reason Thor's hammer is the background? Yeah, Thor's hammer is the background because of the impact, okay? Because Thor's hammer has a big impact. And we want to have an impact on the world around us. And the Word of God should always have an impact on us. And the way the Word of God has an impact on us today, walk in the Spirit, stay in fellowship with God, know Christ's great love for us. Thanks again for joining us for True to the Bible podcast with Hunter Davis. If you enjoyed this lesson, make sure you subscribe so you can hear the rest of the lessons on True to the Bible podcast. And if you have any questions regarding this lesson or any of the other lessons, make sure you contact us at hunter.davis.com at stillwaterbible.org. Thanks again for joining us.